turn our Bibles this evening to the book of Jude. The book of Jude. Before I start, can I just um, get the leaders, the protings, to meet with me after the service this evening? I forgot to tell Pastor to announce it. I need to see all the protings leaders just quickly after service, so um, please remember that, protings leaders. Right, Jude, and we're going to start reading from verse 17 this evening. Book of Jude, verse 17. It says, But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you there should be mockers in the last time, who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. But ye, beloved, who nap yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hasten even the garments spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Saviour, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Let's open with a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we do indeed give thanks to you this evening that we can come and we can spend some time around your word and give thanks and praise unto you in song. And Lord, we just pray that you would speak to our hearts now as we continue to look at the book of Jude. I pray, Lord, that you would empower me through your Holy Spirit this evening, that, Lord, you would... Uh, order my thoughts, and may everything I say this evening be from you, may it be your words, Lord, this evening. May you speak to our hearts and teach us through your word. May you be honored and glorified now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now with these verses in Jude, um, Jude now turns his attention um, you know, from condemning the apostates, which is basically what he's done in verses 1 through to 16. He spent time condemning and exposing these apostates, these false teachers, and now he turns his attention in this last section to providing us with some guidance, providing you and I with um, some encouragements as to how we are to deal with these apostates, what we are to do about it. You know, while this section is closely related and we still do talk about the apostates, his point, his focus is entirely different. As I said in the preceding section, he spent the whole time exposing these men. He spent the whole time condemning these men. I mean, that's why he's gone through and he's, he's talked about Old Testament examples and he's referred to these men being like Old Testament men, okay, men who disobeyed the Lord. Uh, this is why he's referred to these prophecies of Enoch as we looked at last time. He's done all this to expose these men and to condemn these men who have intruded into the church. But now his aim is to provide you and I with a strategy of combating these apostates effectively. You're telling us how you and I are to stand fast against these men. And so in this closing paragraph, verses 17 through to 25, we see that Jude gives to us four instructions that we are to follow if we are going to stand firm and resist the apostates. Now we're only going to look at the first of these this evening. So we're going to look at just the first and we'll... Look at the other three in the coming weeks. And so the first that we want to look at this evening is that we are to remember God's revealed word. Remember God's revealed word. Look, if you would, in verse 17. 
says, But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Firstly, he tells us here that we are to remember who gave us the word. Who gave us the word. He tells us here in verse 17 that we are to remember the word of God which was delivered to us by the apostles. Which was delivered unto the church by the apostles. You see, he's calling his readers here, which includes us, to remember the words of the men who were sent out by God. The men who were commissioned by God originally with the truth. You know, while our Lord was here on earth, he had many followers. He had many disciples, but he only chose a few of them to be his apostles. Only a few of them were his apostles. And the word apostle means someone who is sent forth with a commission. That's what we're talking about here. When we say the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are talking about these men who were sent forth, were commissioned by the Lord with a task to perform. And of course, that task that they were given was to carry the message of the gospel unto this lost and dying world. They were to take the message into all the world. They were to spread the truth. And their doctrine, their teaching, was to become the foundation upon which the church was built. It was the founding stone, if you like. Christ, of course, is the chief cornerstone, but the apostles' doctrine is the foundation. It's the building, the foundation upon which the church is built. Just turn over to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. It says, And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Christ is the chief cornerstone, and it's built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. The teachings, the preaching of these men, their doctrine, the doctrine they delivered unto the church is the foundation upon which the church was built, upon which we stand. And there were certain qualifications that had to be met for someone to be considered an apostle of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1, we see one of these qualifications mentioned. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. First Corinthians 9, verse 1, it says, Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are not ye my work in the Lord? You know, here we have Paul and he's speaking to the Corinthians about the fact that he is an apostle of the Lord. And he gives to us there in verse 1, one of the qualifications. He says, have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? He saw Christ after the resurrection. And Paul points to that as being one of his qualifications, one of the reasons why he is an apostle. He saw the resurrected Lord. Likewise, Acts chapter 1 recounts for you and I the apostles choosing someone to replace Jude and they give us there some of the qualifications as well. Go to Acts chapter 1. We get there. Acts chapter 1 verse 21 says, Wherefore of these men which have accompanied us, with us all, sorry, the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John unto the same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. And they appointed two, Joseph called Barsabbas, 
who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Lord, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship, from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they, go forth, uh, sorry, and they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. You know, you got here the apostles, and they're choosing someone to replace Jude. And again, we see that there was certain things they were looking for in a man that were going to appoint to this position. In verse 22, we see that, as with Paul, it says that they had to be a witness of his resurrection. They had to have seen the resurrected Lord. And also talks about the fact that he was with Christ on earth in verse 22. And the point is that he was taught by Christ, instructed by Christ. You see, these are the qualifications of the apostles. They had to be someone who knew Christ personally. They had been taught by him and they'd seen him after his resurrection. And that is the men that Jude is referring to here. When Jude says that he's calling to remembrance the words of the apostles, he's talking about these men, these select few, these ones who were chosen by God, sent forth with the truth to be the foundation of the church. Now, unfortunately, wherever there is the authentic, there is always the counterfeit. Wherever there is the authentic, there is always Satan's counterfeit. And this happened in the early church. You know, false teachers arose claiming apostles, claiming to be apostles and going around teaching another doctrine. You know, apostates like the ones that Jude has been writing about and warning about in this book. Apostates, these false teachers claiming to have the truth, claiming to be apostles. And therefore it was necessary for the the early church to develop a way of protecting the church. And the way they did that, the way they protected against these false teachers, these false apostles, was by taking heed to what the apostles had said. Now, since the faith, the truth was committed to the apostles originally, the test was, what did the apostles say? What did the apostles teach us? You see, apostolic teaching was the test of the truth. It was the foundation of the truth. And so if something that was taught didn't agree with what they taught, then it was error. If it didn't agree with the apostolic teaching, it was thrown out as being error, as being false. You know, that's why Jude, he calls his readers to remembrance of the words of the apostles. Because it's their words that the church is built upon. It's their words that is the doctrine that was delivered to them by Christ. That he's delivered to us. You know, if this church, these believers that Jude is writing to, we're going to combat these false teachers, if we're going to do it, then we have to take heed to those who were sent out by God into the world in the first place. You see, even today, the apostolic teaching is the foundation of the church. You know, it's still the test of the truth. You know, we can praise God that we have in our possession today the complete revelation of God to man. We have 66 books of God, the complete revelation. There's nothing to be added to. There's nothing to be taken away. It is complete. And you know, the New Testament is made up, made up mainly of the apostolic writings. It's writings of the apostles. And the few that are in there that are not written by the apostles are written by someone who was closely associated with the apostles. They traveled with them. They knew them personally. See, the point is, you and I, our faith is based upon the apostolic teachings, which were delivered to them by who? By Christ. 
It is the test of our faith. It is the test of a doctrine that comes into the church. You see, when we are faced with false teaching, we likewise must go back to the Word of God. We must go back to the teaching of the apostles for the answer, the teaching of the prophets in the Old Testament for the answer. When someone presents with a a new doctrine or a new revelation, we test it according to what God's Word says. That's where we go, isn't it? We go to the Word of God, or at least we should go to the Word of God. If it doesn't line up with God's Word, well, then it doesn't hold water. It's not true. It is error. It is false. You see, by doing this, by going back to the Word, remembering the Word, you and I are able then to stand against the apostates, the false teachers that Jude has been writing about. When we remember the words of the apostles, the words of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Secondly, he tells us not only to remember who wrote it, but also what they said. He says to remember what they said. Look in verse 18. He says, How that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. You know, having called upon his readers to remember who gave them the word, who taught them in the first place, he now calls upon them to remember what they said. And in particular, he calls to their remembrance what they had taught them concerning the last days. That's what he's drawing their attention to. Everything the apostles taught was important, but he's zeroing in here on one particular thing. He's drawing our attention, drawing his readers' attention to what the apostles said concerning the last days. You see, Jude tells us that the apostles had prophesied, had taught that in the last days, mockers would come who would deny the word of God. Look in verse 18 again. It says, How that they told you there should be mockers in the last time. See, Jude tells us that the apostles warned us of this. The apostles warned us that these apostates, these mockers of the truth, would come in the last days. You know, Jude here is basically echoing the words of, of Peter. Just turn over to Second Peter chapter 3. Verse 1, it says, This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Saviour. Knowing this verse, there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts. You know, basically here we have the same words. Jude is almost quoting Peter's words here. You see, Peter speaks about the fact that he himself, he says in verse 3, sorry, verse 2, and of the commandment of us. You see, Peter was an apostle. Jude wasn't. Peter was an apostle. And Peter says that he had taught, and indeed the other apostles had taught and warned about these false teachers. And these false teachers, according to verse 3, would be scoffers or, as Jude puts it, mockers of the truth. You know, Peter in particular tells us that these scoffers would scoff and deny the return of the Lord. Look in verse 4. It says, And saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. 
You know, Peter points out in particular that these men will scoff at the return of Christ. They will scoff and, and deny and question whether Christ is actually going to return. And Peter tells us, he says, these men will come when? In the last days. Yeah, it's not just Peter who warns about these men coming in the last days. Paul warns about them as well. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, just turn over there. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created, to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know, know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For he is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. You know, here Paul speaks about these ones who will come in the latter times, the last days. The Apostle John also warned about them. Go to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4 verse 1. says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world, hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come. And even now already it is in the world. Again, John warns about these men. John speaks about these apostates, these false teachers who would come. You see, the point is, the teaching of the apostles is clear, and that's what Jude is calling to our attention. He says, remember what the apostles taught concerning these men. He says the apostles taught that they would come. He taught, they taught that this was going to happen. They taught that in the last days, false teachers would come. You know, this warning is given numerous times by the apostles, not just in the passages we looked at, in other passages as well. Numerous times the apostles warn us about these mockers coming in the last time. Indeed, even our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ warned about these men while he was on earth. Matthew 24, just quickly. Matthew 24, verse 11. <clears throat> Matthew 24, verse 11 says, And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. Now, here's Christ speaking about the latter times, and he speaks about false prophets who will rise, ones who will deceive many. Now, the point is that if the apostles and Christ took the time to warn us, you and I need to pay attention. You and I need to pay attention to the words. Pay attention to the Word of God, because that's where we find it. It's the Word of God. You see, they took the time to warn us about this because you and I need to be on our guard. Need to be on our guard because these men are coming and indeed they have already arrived. You see, we live in the last days. And these men are here already. They're in our midst. You know, we shouldn't be surprised and taken aback that men have come and entered into the church who are mocking and scoffing at the truth. It shouldn't surprise us when we consider that God has warned us through his apostles. You know, we shouldn't be surprised, but rather it ought to trigger in our remembrance the Word of God. 
It ought to make us remember what God has said about these men, what God has taught about these men. Rather than being surprised and taken aback, it ought to make us go to the Word and say, I knew God's Word said something about that. God's Word told us about that. And go and see what God said about these men. You see, we are seeing prophecy fulfilled before our very eyes. You know, oftentimes we ask, where's fulfillment of prophecy? Well, we're seeing this happen right now. This prophecy is being fulfilled before our eyes. Men are mockers of the truth. You know, not only did the apostles say that these men would mock the truth, but also that they would walk after their own lust. Go back to verse 18 again of Jude. It says, How that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. You know, Judas already said this back in verse 16. He said, these are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts. He's already said this about these men. But now he points out the fact that all the apostles had said this about these men. All the apostles warned that these men would not only mock the truth, but they would walk according to their own lusts. Now, this phrase is used by Peter, as we saw in 2 Peter 3, verse 3. This exact same wording, that these men would walk after their own ungodly lusts. You know, this explains to you and I why these men will mock the truth. You see, think about it. The reason these men mock the truth is because these men want to live as they please. These men want to live according to their lusts. They don't want to live under the moral constraints of God's word. They don't want to live under the moral constraints of what God has told them. They don't want anyone telling them how to live. They want to live only to satisfy their flesh. And so they mock and scoff at God's word. They reject the truth and preach another doctrine so they can justify their sin. You know, this really is the same as what Jude told us back in verse 4, where he says, For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. You know, we looked at that phrase there, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness, and we talked about the fact it's turning God's grace into an excuse for sin. And that's what these men do. They, they twist God's word, they mock and scoff at God's word, twisting it around and using it as an excuse to sin. They use God's grace the very thing that ought to motivate us to holiness as an excuse for their sin. You know, the apostles warned that these men would come. That's what Jude is telling us to remember, to bring to our remembrance here. The fact that the apostles warned us that this would happen. And beloved, it has happened. It has happened even now. They have arrived. You know, when we look around at churches in general, they are in the church. You know, these prophecies, as I said, are being fulfilled before our very eyes. Men are indeed mockers of the truth, not just outside the church, but within the church. Men mock and scoff at the truth. You know, people who claim to be Christians mock and scoff at God's word. You know, they believe some of God's word, but not all of God's word. You know, they deny the creation, seven literal days of creation. They mock and scoff at it. They mock and scoff at the return of Christ, as Peter tells us. They mock and scoff at the resurrection of our Lord. The list goes on. But there is people within the church who mock and scoff at those very foundations of the faith. 
They mock and scoff at the word of God. And not only that, but they, as Jude and the apostles pointed out, are men who live for the flesh. They care nothing for the moral constraints of God's word. And as I said, we see this all around us and we see it within the church. You know, beloved, God's grace is not an excuse to sin, but rather it is a motivation to holiness. That's what it is. You know, considering the fact the apostles took the time to prophesy about these men, to warn us of these men, as I said earlier, you and I should not be surprised by this. We should not be discouraged by this, but rather we should be motivated to prepare ourselves to answer them. Prepare ourselves with the word of God so we can combat this false doctrine, this false teaching. Thirdly, now we see that he tells us to remember why they said it. To remember why they said it. Look again in Jude and verse 19 now. It says, These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. You know, we've seen that Jude called upon his readers, called upon you and I to remember who gave the word, to remember what they said, and now he calls upon us to remember what, why they said it. Why they said it. You see, we're told here in verse 19 that the reason the apostles warned us of these men is because these men divide and deceive the church. Firstly, we see that these men seek to divide the church. Look in verse 19 in the first part there. It says, These be they who separate themselves. These be they who separate themselves. You see, these men, believing they have a superior knowledge, believing they have some special revelation or they have some new understanding, they separate themselves from others. And this is not necessarily that they just completely leave the church, but rather the idea that these men form factions within the church. They separate themselves into a little group and they draw others to them. They cause divisions. Cause divisions within the church. You see, this is what false teachers are seeking to do. This is what they are all about. They want others to follow them. They want others to come with them in their doctrine and leave with them. They separate the church. They cause separation. They propagate their false doctrine, seeking to divide the church from within. You know, Acts chapter 20, verse 30 warns of men doing this. Acts chapter 20. <clears throat> Acts 20, verse 30. That doesn't look like it. Oh, wait, verse 30. Yes, I'm looking at the wrong verse. Also of your own shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. To draw away disciples. That's what false teachers want. They want to draw away disciples. They want followers. They want to cause division. And sadly, it's not just unsaved apostates who do this. Even saved believers can get caught up in false doctrines, so much so that they lead others with them. They take disciples with them. You see, they believe they found some new truth or they're more enlightened than others and so they spread their false doctrine. They cause a little fraction, a little division within the church and then they cause a church split. You know, beloved, people who do this are heretics in the true sense of the word. See, the word heretic means someone who causes division. That's what the word heretic means. And so someone who causes division 
is a heretic in the true sense of the word. And beloved, this is what false teachers seek to do. And this is why the apostles took the time to warn us of these men. Because they knew the danger they posed to you and I. The danger they would pose as we approach the return of Christ. They knew that these men who would mock and scoff the truth, these men who walked according to their own lusts, would cause divisions within the church. And indeed, sadly, we see this taking place in churches all around the world today, do we not? We hear story after story about church split after church split, churches that are divided, churches that cannot get along because of this, because of men entering in and causing division within the church. As I said, it's not always by unsaved apostates. Sometimes it's Satan caught up in false doctrine who do the same thing. Men teaching their false doctrine, teaching some new truth, some better understanding, and they separate themselves and they take others with them. And you know, all this does is it hinders the work of God. That's all it does. Every time you hear about this, well, the work of God is being hindered. The devil's winning. The devil wants that to happen within churches. He wants division. You know, not only do they cause division, but they also deceive the brethren. Verse 19 concludes by saying, These are they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirits. He concludes by telling us that these men are sensual and have not the spirit. The word sensual here means the very opposite of spiritual. It's the idea of soulish, if you like. So these men are soulish. They're not spiritual. They're soulish. In other words, these men are governed and controlled by their natural impulses rather than the spirit. They have not the spirit, so they don't do things in the power of the spirit. They do things in their own power, in their own strength. This is how Paul used the word in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, where it was translated natural. Go over there, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. First Corinthians 2 verse 14 it says but the natural man that's the same word but the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God for they are foolishness unto him neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned but he that is spiritual judgeth all things yet he himself is judged of no man for who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him but we have the mind of Christ he talks about the natural man can't receive the things of the spirit why because he doesn't have the spirits and that's the same word, this, this idea here in, in Jude where he says that these men are sensual. These men are natural. These men are soulish. They do not have the spirit. They don't have the power of the spirits. So the point is that their ministry, their teaching is completely done in their own power. It's not done in the power of the Holy Spirit. Their teaching is a soulish ministry. It is a sensual ministry. It's in their power. Now, unfortunately, many people are deceived by the soulish ministry of these men. Many people are deceived by the ministry of these apostates in their own power. You see, people cannot discern between what is of the spirit and what is of the soul. People can't tell the difference. There's so much religious showmanship out there today that men are confused. They're deceived by these false teachers. So the question then must be, how can we recognize the difference? How can we tell whether something is done in the soul, done in the natural man, the, the sensual, 
okay, of our own selves or whether he's done in the power of the Spirit. Well, obviously, we do so by using the Word of God, by remembering the Word. Go back to Hebrews chapter 4, just quickly. Hebrews 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Verse we know well, but it says, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word of God is able to divide between the soul and the spirit. The word of God is able to distinguish the two. The word of God helps you and I to shed light upon their ministry, helps you and I to understand whether it is a sensual ministry done in their own power or whether it is of the spirits. The word of God keeps coming back to What we said at the start, the Word of God is our defense. We go back to the Word of God. We see what the Word of God says about these things. You know, also a ministry that is done in the power of man, a soulish ministry, will always magnify man. Will always magnify man. But that which is done in the Spirit will always glorify God. You know, Warren Wearsby in his commentary said this, and I thought it was a really good quote. He said, When the Spirit is ministering through the Word, There is edification. But when the soul is merely manufacturing a ministry, there is entertainment. Or at best, only intellectual education. That was really good. Really good way of understanding that when it is done through the soul, it is manufacturing a ministry and it's entertainment. The lights go on, don't they? The bells start ringing. Because we see that all around us in churches today. The ministry is what? Entertainment. Purely, that's what it's all about. It's about entertainment. It's about drawing the crowds. That's all it's about. And it's a sensual ministry. It's sensual. It's not of the Spirit. If it's of the Spirit, there'd be edification. It would edify God. It would glorify God. But rather, all it does is it edifies man. It magnifies man. It lifts man up. It's not of the power of God. You see, a ministry that is in the power of God ministers to our spirits. Ministry that's in the power of God builds you and I up in the faith. It draws us closer to the Lord. It shows us how sinful and wicked we are and how holy and righteous He is. Now in this day and age, there is so much that is not done in the power of the Spirit. It's all around us. It's all around us. There's so much done in churches which is sensual, which is not of God. And beloved, many are being deceived thereby. Even churches that once stood where we we do today no longer stand with us. They have been deceived. They have been deceived. And there is books out there that you read and they sound so good. Because those people know the, the word of God. They know what it says, but they twist it to justify their ends. It sounds so good, but beloved, it's not in the power of the Spirit. It's a sensual ministry. You and I need to be careful that we're not deceived as a church. I think at times we think we're immune to it, but we're not, beloved. So easy if we let our guard, get, guard down, we will be divided, we will be deceived by these men. You know, this is why Jude calls upon you and I to remember the teaching of the apostles. Remember the word, remember the revealed word of God to you and I. Because you and I need to test everything against God's word. Everything we see, everything we hear, test it against God's word. If it sounds like it's working, fine, test it against God's word. 
before you and I ever jump upon the bad bandwagon, we need to test it against God's word, first of all. Now, beloved, the apostles warned, warned us about these men, warned us that these times will come, the times in which we live. Even in these last days, an apostasy is only going to get worse as we approach the return of Christ. We shouldn't be surprised by it. Beloved, knowing this, we need to be prepared. We need to be prepared and firm for the faith. We need to understand the danger that these false teachers pose to us as a church. We must understand that they are seeking to divide. They are seeking to deceive. And if we're not going to be deceived, then you and I must know and stand firm upon the actions of God's word. We must remember God's revealed word. Let's close. In a word of prayer. <clears throat> Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the instruction here from Jude to us, Lord, to indeed remember your revealed word unto man. And Lord, so much of that in the New Testament is the apostolic teachings. And Lord, they warn us about the times in which we live, these times in which apostasy is rampant, Lord. These men who are seeking to divide, seeking to deceive. And Lord, help us as a church, as individuals, not to let our guard down. Lest, Lord, we go the way of other churches and be deceived, Lord. Help us to stand firm in the faith, stand firm upon the truth, and remember your revealed word unto us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.